Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio. Now, Seth Wickersham's the excerpts from his book dropped on ESPN.com yesterday. By the way, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Um, the excerpts from his book dropped yesterday. Explosive! And they were explosive. explosive. It was explosive. And Bill Belichick, you know, including one of the juicier elements was Bill Brady wanted to meet Belichick face-to-face. Mm. On his way out the door, Belichick would only talk to him on the phone. So Bill Belichick I'm was naturally, he was naturally, that's speculation, Keyshawn, <laughs> you're speculating. Belichick was naturally asked about this at the press conference yesterday. Here is his answer. No, that's not true. And, and I you know, heard a few things about, you know, this book and sounds like it's a lot of, you know, second, third and fourth hand comments. Certainly Rob and, and Tom have done a lot for this organization, a lot for me. And I appreciate everything they've done. I have a ton of respect for them. Um, but, you know, this Sunday, it's, we're on opposite sides of the field. And, um, we're going to do all we can to not make them enjoy the night. And we now bring in our man at the scene, Mike Reese, in front of Gillette Stadium. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, guys. Came out not as cold as Keyshawn would like. You know, probably would like some snow for me here, but um, about 50 degrees, Key. I, I, can, I can hang in with this. Yeah, it... it uh... I want you to slide over a little more to your right. I need you right under Gillette, though. I don't want you to, you know, no, just kidding. Um, when you look at what's getting ready to take place in this Belichick-Brady meeting for the first time, what are you expecting? Like, What will be the greeting, the pleasantries, or will there be any at all? Oh, this takes me back to 2003 when Bill Parcells, was coming back here, um, and and you had the whole Parcells-Belichick thing. Parcells was the Cowboys coach, and we were all watching the pregame. You know, would, would Belichick go to Parcells at midfield before the game? And Belichick kept his distance, and Parcells was sort of milling at midfield, almost like wondering if it was going to happen himself, it seemed like. And then they obviously had the handshake at the end of the game. And, and I go back to that, Keyshawn, because I think that's what it'll probably be like on Sunday night that my, my guess would be Tom is going to be so locked in that he's going to sort of leave all that stuff for after the game and certainly I would think for Bill Belichick that's not going to be on his mind before the game. Mike what do you think the overall reaction of the fans will be like will there be a standing ovation do you think it'll be anger what, what's your sentiment? I think we're going to see Brady jerseys Patriot Brady jerseys in the stands. I think we're going to hear chants, Jay, of Brady, 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 which in this stadium behind me, we heard that over 20 years. Um, We're going to hear cheers. I think there's going to be a video of some sorts in which the team honors him and recognizes uh, everything he did here. And then I think when the game starts, that's when it's going to get interesting. Can the Patriots keep it competitive? And if they do, I think it turns to the Patriots side. If they don't, that's when I think th- there's a chance this stadium behind me could turn into um, a Brady appreciation stadium where people start cheering uh, for Tom and, and, and everything that he accomplished. And, and it, if it happens during the game, to me, that's different than before the game. I think everything leading up before the game is going to be pro-Brady. Mike, I'm going to 
give you the opportunity to be the first individual in all of the national media to expand on a name that is not frequently used in the last week or so. And that would be Mac Jones. No one's using Mac Jones. He's like all of a sudden disappeared from the Patriot roster because (laughs) of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. How is this going to impact Mac Jones looking across the field from a guy and a legend that he's essentially replacing? Key, you know, I looked at this uh, the other day, and can you believe that Mac Jones was one when Tom Brady was drafted here in New England? One. So, he, you know, he wasn't even a lot, really, he can't remember that time. Uh, he was at Alabama when Tom left uh, the Patriots here. He said he didn't really follow that. So, to me, like, he's sort of, like, separated from this whole thing. And he's got so much going on right now just to run this offense and, and everything they've put on his plate that he's sort of skating his lane. And he seems to do a pretty good job from what I've seen, Key, in terms of compartmentalizing. Like, this is what I have to do. I'm going to let everything else sort of, you know, put, it, put that in its own place. The one thing that's interesting with Mac that we've all noticed, he's very hard on himself. And I think that's what he's really working on more than any piece with Brady who he said he's never met personally before, is just to try to give himself a break at times and not be so hard on himself. What This week, obviously, Seth Wickersham's book came out and, and everything swirling around that. How, how is the organization and the team around? What are you hearing? How are they handling that? Yeah. Well, I thought yesterday was interesting, Keyshawn. You know, when Bill Belichick, that door swung open at 11.45 in the morning for his news conference, which was the first time we would talk to him in person with all this stuff swirling, there was a little bit of tension in the air in that room. Like the, the feeling being like, what is this? How is he going to approach this? And he gets up to that podium. He smiles and he says, what's going on? Got any, got any stories? And everyone just starts laughing. And I think that to me is reflective of how they are approaching this. They're not avoiding it. Uh, they're coming out with humor, which who would have, who have, who would have expected that from Bill Belichick? Um, and, and honestly, answering the questions. I, we were a little bit surprised, Keyshawn, that he answered the question uh, about the book, that he answered a lot of questions about Tom and how effusive he was in his praise. Because I think if you took sort of a poll of all the reporters in the room, they would have told you, eh, he might mention Tom, but he's going to say this game's about the Buccaneers and the whole team more than it's about Tom. So he surprised us a little bit yesterday, Keyshawn. And I think, to me, the, the team sort of takes a tone from that uh, heading into this game. Our man on the scene, Mike Reese. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Live from Gillette. Appreciate right. it, Mike. All right, Mike. You know, guys, I, I don't think – I'm trying to think in my own memory. Like, when I was a little kid, eight years old, something like that, Reggie Jackson, who'd won two World Series, big, huge star in the late 70s, a huge star – Left New York. They let him walk out the door. He went to the Angels. Having a good year, he comes back to Yankee Stadium, hits a home run off Ron, Ron Guidry. I think the Yankees won that game, but Reggie hit the home run on his, on his, on his game back. I can't think of anything that is like this because there's never been a guy like Tom Brady or a coach like Bill Belichick who had that much success in really any sport that was together that long. I, I'm trying to think of a comparison to it. I can't, I'm drawing blanks. It would be like if, you know, when I got drafted by the Bulls, if 
Phil Jackson were still coaching the Bulls and Michael Jordan had came back with the Washington Wizards, which he did, but Bill Cartwright was our coach. But just to tell you, Max, about that feeling, he got a 15-minute standing ovation for his last game at the United Center. 15 minutes. Like We had to prolong the tip of the game. And, Key, I lie to you not, during the game, when this dude would make certain shots, like a fadeaway over his left shoulder and those – in those Michael Jordan-like spots on the court, you would have dudes on our team that'd be like, "Yo, that was that was nice, Mike." <laughs> in the game, it, it, so like, there's that. If you're thinking about Mac Jones, you know, being one years old when obviously you know Tom Brady got drafted, but growing up watching Tom Brady, seeing his mannerisms, paying attention to all that, the anxiety that he's going to have being on the field that he knows Tom Brady has made into a legendary stadium. Like, that's a lot of weight to carry for a young player. We're asking on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, outside of Patriots Bucks, what's the game of the week in the NFL? Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. It is time for Take Your Pick as week four gets started, and we start with tonight's Thursday night football game between the last two number one overall picks. So, Key, J., Trevor Lawrence, maybe the greatest quarterback prospect who ever lived, versus Joe Burrow, the man who gave him that work in the national title game, and then as a rookie on a bad team, was having an excellent season before he got hurt. Who would you start your franchise with Keyshawn Johnson? I think I'm going to take my pick here. I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence. I think he has a special talent, a unique talent, in a bad situation with a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new system. Hasn't quite grasped what Jacksonville is yet, uh, uh, is yet. but I think over time he has a lot of the same characteristics as a lot of the good quarterbacks in the National Football League. It's just going to take time for a guy like this. Nothing wrong with Joe Burrow. I just – we need to see a little more, Trevor. I'll take Joe Burrow. I'll take Joe Burrow all day long. I think Trevor Lawrence has the talent. We'll see how he pans out. But, I mean, look, a lot of times situation can dictate whether you'll be successful or not. Now, I know there's an argument against Joe Burrow's situation as well. But when you start surrounding him with talent, just him and Jamar Chase have something special that they're building. And for what he showed me, I'm a Joe Burrow fan. I'm taking Joe Burrow all day too. Trevor Lawrence is going to be a good quarterback, I think. Joe Burrow? is the guy living out the dream that everyone had for Trevor Lawrence so far, including in the national title game. And guys, on Jeez. a bad team, just like Joe, just like Trevor Lawrence this year, on a bad team last year, Joe Burrow was playing well when he got hurt, and he's better this year. I'd take Burrow. 
Brady or Belichick? Take to your start pick. your franchise? Yeah. Man, I'm taking Bill Bill Belichick to start my franchise. I'm not I, I love Brady. Brady the greatest of all to do it. But it's give give Bill the responsibility for understanding that that guy is going to take us to the next level. To realizing in 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 sticking with the plan and developing him and doing all those things. Tom Brady, you draft Tom Brady or you start your franchise with Tom Brady and you don't know what the hell you're doing as a coach or and you'll mess around and Tom Brady will be working at somewhere and not in the NFL. Let's be honest with each other here. We're talking about like the 44-year-old Tom Brady, right? Not like the young yeah, Tom right Brady. Now, right, right now. Right now. Yeah, that's easy. That's Belichick. You want to hear something funny? Here's the argument for Brady. Well, Belichick is old on. too. You said the 44-year-old Tom Brady, right? Yeah. yeah. Versus the Belichick. Belichick's old. Then I'm going to take Tom Brady if we go in 44 because I could just put him with something like he did in Tampa with a championship. But if you're telling me from the beginning. No, no, I'm saying right now. See, everyone's going to focus start, on Brady's age. What about Belichick's age? Yeah, right right now, I'm probably going to take Tom Brady. That's the, I just want to yeah. stop there yeah, for a right, second, guys. But, 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 but Jay, a that's nuts. Think about it. Brady is so good at an older age that yeah. even against a coach who usually has a longer horizon, you might still take Brady because he might well, play longer than the coach. Well, coaches. not even that. It's just that I think I can win a championship faster with Brady okay. than I can with a rebuilding New England Patriots. So, But my thing is, if you don't take Bill Belichick, can he help you build the overall scheme and help you with how you build out your franchise so. in a better way than just – Oh, I got Tom Brady, and now oh, it's my man, job I'm to surround to win him with championship pieces. tomorrow. Though. I'm looking at somebody that can build out a blueprint for me for the next 15 years. That doesn't years. mean the next yeah, guy, nah, the next guy can take over for him. And Belichick doesn't have another 15 yeah, years. Yeah, if coaching. we if we talking about right now, then I'm gonna take Tom Brady. If we were just talking about overall, based on everything, then I was gonna. No, go it's nuts. Now he was a great D coordinator. He had Lawrence Taylor, best who ever did it. Great head coach. He had Tom Brady, best who ever did it. I mean, like other coaches, I'm sure are envious of that. Kyler or Stafford. Start your franchise with, take your pick, Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford. Who is it, Key? Oh, this is just for the game, not the franchise. This is only the game. I'm taking Matthew Stafford in this game. Kyler oh, Murray, yeah, yeah, Kyler Murray's 0-4 lifetime against the um, Los Angeles Rams. And, I, and when I look at Kyler Murray, yeah, he's fantastic. He's done some stuff. But for whatever reason... Matthew Stafford just looks different to me than he did in the Lions uniform. Wow. The ball comes out different. <laughs> it look it, it it doesn't look herky jerky like it did with uh, Jared Goff. It's just it it's smooth. And Kyler Murray is exciting. And yes, he's an MVP candidate. They're undefeated. All of those sort of things. But I still say zero and four against a defense like that, you probably gonna wind up going zero and five. Who Rams? God, four and a half. It's a spread. I'm going to go Kyler Murray here, Max. I'm going to go with Mighty Mouse. I, you know, I, I know the pressure that those boys can bring. 99 is a beast. I, I, I get what that defensive front is about. But I, I think this is going to be a statement game for the Cardinals. A lot of people discount the Cardinals. People are waiting for the bottom to fall out. And mm. I think this is a different Cardinals team this year. I agree, and I think Kyler Murray will do well. But one thing that Key harps on, which I agree with, is how linked uh, a player's success is to what's around him and how much how difficult it is just to isolate value. There's no real such thing as isolated value in a team sport like football. Stafford's situation right now, I got to take if I if you just ask me who I'd rather have, I I have to take Stafford based on the it evidence good at the me. moment. Yeah. It just okay. looked, looked good. really it good. Looked right. 
Ben, just look right. Big Ben Roethlisberger on, man. versus Aaron Rodgers right now. Take your pick, Why is this even a question? Rodgers, move forward. We got to make up time. Yeah, Rodgers, okay. let's go. Goff versus Fields. Jared Goff or Justin Fields, Key? Right uh, now? Right, right now. now. For the game. It's the game now. It's yeah, the game, yeah. I'm going to take, I'm gonna take Jared, Jared Goff. Goff. Yeah. Not that they're going to win too. the game, but I'm going to take Jared Goff. And look, Detroit Lions have played pretty good football. They've been solid and sound. They've been in all their games up until the last few drives or whatnot. They're a young team with a new head coach, new coordinator. It's, it's surroundings. But I just think that Jared Goff right now, you know, in terms of the quarterback situation, is in a better situation with Anthony Lynn calling plays than Justin Fields is. He's a veteran. I mean, he's yeah. been around. Fields is just getting started. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why Fields is even involved in this because according to Matt Nagy, he's QB too. Yeah. I mean, it should be Goff versus Dalton. You know, Goff is a two-time Pro Bowler and a and a, he's made an appearance in a Super Bowl. It's that's this is not I, Goff easily for me right yes. now for today this upcoming game. Dak versus Sam Darnold, your guy, <laughs> Keyshawn Johnson. I'm going to take Dak. Dak Prescott here. Uh, I think that Dak has shown us something over the three games since coming back off the injury. They're two and one right now. And they're first in the division. They're going to win the division. He's on fire. They're running the ball better now with Ezekiel Elliott and Pollard in the backfield. He's delivering the football in sync to his receivers. And, and what can you say? I mean, the defense is playing better. I think that this situation, uh, Carolina's going to be a good team, going to be a tough out. But I believe Dak will have a better showing than what most people think. Dak's going to be in the MVP conversation before it's all said and done, man. I mean, he has that kind of talent. If the defense continues to step up the way they did last year, I think that's special. I mean, just look here, right, the highest completion percentage in the first three games under Drew Brees since 2018, 77.5. Dak is doing exactly what I thought he'd do. Like Tom Brady and Russell Wilson, different style quarterbacks, but – as Key would say, the team put their arms around those guys early, let the defense do their job, get you in field goal position, kick a field. Dak started out good, trending toward great, and right now he's ascending. There's no question about it. I don't believe in the Panthers. I think they've beaten some weak teams and a Saints team that COVID ripped through the offensive coaching staff, and I don't believe in the Panthers. The Cowboys have made me believers early on, and Dak is a better quarterback than Sam Darnold yeah. right now. I mean, yeah. that's, let's make it well, simple. He is. He's a better quarterback. Russell Wilson versus Jimmy G. Take your pick, Key. <sighs> Russell Wilson. Ru- Russell Wilson, in, in this particular game, I think Russell Wilson bounces back. Seattle's lost two games in a row. I don't remember the last time Seattle's lost three games in Never a row. Never in Russell Wilson's yeah, career. So, so if, that, if that's the case, I think they bounce back, get things going. San Francisco and Seattle have always had battles. They know each other within the division. The interesting thing about this division is teams play each other. The Cardinals and the Rams, Seattle and the Rams. Then I believe the Rams and Arizona again. Uh, no, the Seattle and Arizona again next week. So it's, in this division over the next two, three weeks, they're going to be playing each other, fighting each other And we've seen off. where the Seahawks and the Rams through the years will kill each other at each other's houses, right? They go on the road and play well. Jay, take your pick between Wilson and Jimmy G. Wilson's the better quarterback, but I'm going to take Jimmy G just because I think the offense that the 49ers will, will run will be methodical. And Seattle's defense has a hard time getting off the field, guys. Yeah. I mean, a lot of penalties there. So if you can keep Russell off the field and make them wait – I'm going to go with the 49ers. I'm going with not only is Russell Wilson clearly better than Jimmy G, who's a nice quarterback. Russell Wilson's an all-time great. But he's never lost three in a row in the same season. And, guys, the lowest win total of his career, the only time he didn't get to double digits was nine wins. He's got – like, 
he's going to have to start getting some wins. I say he starts this week. Lamar Jackson Ooh. versus Teddy Bridgewater. Key, take your pick. Where's this game at? I uh, think it's at uh, Denver, it isn't it? I think I, I don't know, but if you don't know, no worry about it. Um, let's see. Let's look it up. I am going to game is in Denver. Yeah, in Denver. Yeah, I'm going to take Teddy Bridgewater in this situation. Mm-hmm. I think Teddy Bridgewater, although Lamar Jackson should be getting a few of his weapons back on the offensive side of the ball. Teddy Bridgewater is a study guy, right? When you look at his numbers and the things that he's been able to do. Mind-boggling. Yesterday on NFL Live, I I mentioned, I brought up some stuff when everyone around was saying, ah, you know, Teddy's just easy at this day. I said, no, 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 no. Go back to Louisville, Minnesota, five games in uh, New Orleans, and you look at him, you say to yourself, all he does is win. Guys completing 77% completion percentage this season alone, uh, and, and that ranks number uno in the National Football League. We are high on completion percentage. That's what we like. Oh, he's accurate. He's this. What he won't do is give the team the ball, which gives – He ain't going to beat himself. The team the ball. He's not giving the other team the ball. Zero turnover. So the argument that people can use against Denver is like, well, they they beat the Giants, the Jags, and the Jets. I think the statement game once again, I think, for Denver. Uh, That defense is something different. I know Lamar has special abilities and will once again ask Lamar to be superhuman – uh, but I see that type of energy running out against that Denver defense. You, you know what? You, guys. Well, you know what a famous coach once told me, and many of his other players: "You are what your record say you are." Denver Broncos are three and zero, no matter who they play. Understood. So at the end they, of the day, they're three and zero. No, but there's no getting around the two New York teams and the Jags. That's an awful schedule. But they're not just beating teams; they're you beating them up. You are what your record they're, say you are, Max. They're beating them up. But they, who you're beating they beat, speaks they beat about the, your record. They beat the Giants by two touchdowns. They beat the Broncos by two scores. Sorry, sorry, the Jags by two scores, and they beat the Jets twenty-six nothing. They have a good Evan, shot to beat the Ravens. I'll still take Lamar. I'll say Jackson. it again, Evan. You are. What your record say you are, period. How about a bonus Thanks, pick? A bonus taker pick between another legendary coach and his former coworker. So we told you about the bonus taker pick, and that's in college football. Fooled you. Mm. Number 13 Ole Miss is at number one Alabama. Nick Saban is 23-0 and versus mm. assistants. 21 of those by 14-plus points. All right. Key, I thought some good points were made on this show yesterday. Was it yesterday? Paul Feinbaum and you were chopping it up about. See, Max, we, we got to get to a point. Coaching trees. Where you start reading Key and I, our energy. Yeah. And this song, come on, Key, what do, we, what do we do? Hey, so what's up? Pull up. What are you going to say, Key? Pull, you pull the car up next to somebody, what are you going to say? Hey. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? What's up? You know, just feel good. It's just, <laughs> just, it's just, you know, it's just right there, Max. That's just that. You know what I'm saying? Right now, I feel like I want to cook. You know, I've got the candles smelling good, and I'm cooking. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, what got are you the, making? I don't really. You know, some some probably light. You know what I'm saying? Real cool, just light, because it's got to be. It can't be too heavy. You got the Egyptian you know? musk on. You don't know about that. Oh, you know about oh, that, Max? You know about the Egyptian you know? musk? Of course. What? And then, and then, you know, even though From I'm getting, even though at the same time, I'm getting ready to watch Alabama and Ole Miss, I'm at home tailgating. Uh, yeah. And I'm playing this, so I'm probably got some fish or something going, you know, nice greens, cooking. I don't know what, though, maybe some broccolini of some sort, maybe a branzino, with little olives, little cherry tomatoes, some olive oil, a little sliced garlic. You know what I'm saying? Just, just like you just, talking food over know? the track like, speaks, on, it man. feels right. 
It looks right. And then all of a sudden you hear that doorbell ding, and you say, hold uh, on. Then, yeah. And then we're going we to go on into the game at that point. <laughs> all right, I'm done. We're done. We're done. That's all. Just but, a little minute off the top, Key, you know? Get all right. You in that mood. Okay. I'm going to play you Michael Wilbon on PTI. Talking yeah, not the about same as this. Yeah. Ole Miss <laughs> and Alabama. All right? And the question posed to Wilbon was, can Kiffin knock off his former boss? Listen. Lane Kiffin's a clown. Lane Kiffin has been an embarrassment at multiple stops. I mean, nobody's going to run out there and say, yeah, I want Lane Kiffin right here on the logo representing me. The answer's Alabama, Tony. Lane Kiffin's a cute little story for guys like us who have to talk about sports every day, and we can come in Monday and say, ha, 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 Lane Kiffin. Once again, Lane Kiffin equals embarrassment at some point wherever he is. Wow. Lane Kiffin was asked on the Paul Feinbaum show whether Michael Wilbon's comments bothered him. Yeah, I probably would have cared years ago. I, I really don't. Um, like I said, it's somebody that's never met me, never covered us, never been around us. Um, you know, and to say that never, I've never done anything, you know, whatever. It was kind of like so far out there that you kind of got to laugh at it. Did you, do you feel, uh, always interesting asking somebody to evaluate themselves, but, but do you feel like a different coach than you were eight or nine years ago? I, I do completely. Um, and I, I joke with you about it, um, I, you know, saying got fine bomb, but I think what you said at the time was, you know, probably – probably realistic to what was happening and immature and um, very young and, and made a lot of mistakes. So I would like to think that I've grown and different now. I appreciate what Lane just said. And by the way, Michael Wilbon was just telling you how he felt about it, right? I would have maybe liked to hear something from Lane there like something like, look, even though I thought, Paul, you described my past behavior in more detail because you're more aware of really what was going on. I behaved immaturely in the past, and I've left the wrong impression on some people like Mike Wilbon. And, and maybe a higher road to even take, which I think Wilbon maybe responds to positively, is um, I feel like that when, you, when he called me a clown, it was kind of an ad hominem attack. And, like, I like to grow from my past behavior. Not that it was egregious, but, like, I'd like to get better. And the way he characterized me, it feels like there's nothing I can do. Something like that, I think. And then maybe, and because I know if it was, I might say something like that about someone I don't know. I see from afar and I find their behavior clownish. If they respond like that, I then think, you know what? It's a good point. That Like, people, there are learning moments for everybody. You know, older people, too, have been around, too. But but Lane sort what of was, was defensive say, a little there. What, what I would say is Michael Wilbon is 100% right 10 years ago. Yep. Lane Kiffin was, and I'll say it, a buffoon. And I told Lane many times. Lane is one of my good friends. Lane and I have a relationship to a point goes all the way back to his dad who coached me at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So when Lane got the job, when he left Tennessee to get the job, you know, he called me from the private plane to let me know I'm going to land in L.A. at this time. Let's figure it out. When he got fired on the tour mag, I was one of the first people that spoke to him. I was one of the, the individuals that told him, said, man, you are immature. I got on his ass about something that happened in the Sun Bowl 
when we played, I think it was Georgia Tech or somebody we played in the bowl game, and I got on this rear end about the way things went down. Talked to him when he was with Steve Sarkeesian hanging out in Washington. So I kind of know his immaturities. Yes, people think he was just handed a job and he didn't deserve it when the Raiders hired him. But the Raiders organization at the time, Al Davis, I mean, come on, seriously, you can't. Yeah, they're gonna, that's what they did. That's who they were at that time. Yes, USC offered him and gave him the job based on a uh, personal experience with him as our offensive coordinator. Did he deserve the job at that time? Some would say we probably could have hired somebody a little more deserving. But at that time, a young head coach who kind of know the program, yeah, did he leave Tennessee in the dark? Well, I would leave Tennessee for USC too. Yeah, if it's my dream job. But right now in this day and age and learning from Nick Saban and having an opportunity to take that job instead of going to Florida to coach with Will Muschamp and be fired a year later was a mature, smart move on his part. His relationship with Nick Saban is father-son, puppy-dog. When you're a puppy, you do bad things. When you become a dog, you understand there is no more using the restroom on the rug. Although maybe some of your dogs still do that, Max, who knows. But it, I don't, don't know any dogs. Oh, you don't? Okay, well. I'm not in that business. <laughs> so I'm not when in the you, collection business when on you the think sidewalk. about it, oh, God, don't start me. And so when you think about it, the job that he's done at FAU when he was the coach, he grew. And now at Ole Miss, it seems like he's grown, matured. When I've had conversations with him recently, it seems like he's matured. And you know how I am. I'm going to just tell him, Jake, straight out. How so, Key? Like, give, me, give me an example just, of how he's matured. I think when you, when you think about his viewpoints on a lot of different things, when he was younger, he probably wouldn't have did some of the things that he did in Mississippi of all places, to help remove the the flag, to Mm. get behind Black Lives Matter, because he was so immature, he really didn't understand. But now he's so mature, he understands the importance of those sort of things. Uh, He would be, as an immature dude, continuing to needle Nick Saban to an all-time high. He's not doing that. He's preparing to beat Nick Saban. When he was immature, he'd be on everybody's shows leading up to the game. He went on Paul Feinbaum's show. Who the hell doesn't want to go on that show leading up to one of the biggest games in the SEC when Paul Feinbaum's show dominates the SEC conference in terms of talking and, uh, you know, all the interviews and the verbal. That's that's where you go. Who wouldn't want to do that? He, he He declined to come on our show because he needs to be focused on... What's the task at hand? So that mature level continues to grow. No, no. It's to a point where he wins this football game. Mm. He becomes one of the front runners, in my opinion, to get rehired at USC. It makes sense. And none of us would have a problem rehiring Lane Kiffin at USC, even though he got fired on the tarmac. It because makes... he was doing a hell of a job minus the scholarships. That's the thing. I was there those years. He was doing a very good job. They didn't have scholarships. They were still competing. I'll say this to close it out. And Mike Wilbon, on, Mike Wilbon was correct early back on. Back then, yeah. We get on. And, and, and Lane Kiffin's kind of saying, hey, I've changed. Give me, give me room yeah, to grow. Yeah. We get on athletes all the time for being immature, right? The fact is, 
Lane Kiffin, like many athletes, was got a lot very early. Absolutely. The, the mm-hmm. athletes who we should not point out the ones, oh, they're being immature. We should point out the ones that handle everything perfectly because so, that's a one-in-a-million person. So a, you're a one-in-a-million athlete and a one-in-a-million person who never steps in it. That's rare. It's much more common to not know how to handle that stuff. Much more on the other big game of the week. We go to Tampa next. KJM on ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. Getting you ready for the big game in New England. We've heard from Mike Reese already, and now we turn our attention to Tampa Bay. We'll hear from Jenna Lane on the Goodyear Hotline in just a second. But first, Jenna, let's hear from Tom Brady from his conversation with Jeff Darlington ahead of this week's visit to the Patriots. Um, We're going to hear that sound in a second. (laughs) I thought we were going to hear that sound. But um, maybe we won't hear the sound. So let's get right to Jenna Lane. Jenna, are you there? There she is. Jenna, what has Brady's preparation been like this week heading into the game against the Patriots? Guys, and looking at the Bucks' itinerary for this week, there's not a whole lot that really stands out except for the fact that the Bucks aren't going to be staying in Boston. They're not going to be staying in Foxborough at Patriot Place. They're going to be staying in Providence, Rhode Island, about 23 miles away from all the action and all the activity. So they're going to be fairly insulated from a lot of the hoopla and frenzy that's been going on throughout the week leading up to this game. They're not even going to be allowed to leave the team hotel, but that's actually because of Bruce Arians' rule regarding COVID-19. It was the same thing last week when the team was in Los Angeles. But other than that, their preparations have been pretty typical for them, aside from the fact that there's just a whole lot more media that's out here and a whole lot more questions 
about Tom and Rob Gronkowski's return to Foxborough. Jen, speaking of that, the, the media and, and all the hoopla that comes with it, how has uh, B.A. handled the Brady-Belichick gossip, as I like to call it, of the week? Arian said that it's all really just noise for everybody on the team except for 2%. And then those two guys, again, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. And with that being said, all the other guys that are on the team are very aware of how much this game means to them. They know how much these two players have meant to this fan base, the Patriots fan base, how much they've meant to the National Football League, that this homecoming is very important to them. So while they are pretty much... I don't want to say oblivious to all the noise because they're certainly getting peppered with questions this week. They're tuning it out a whole lot, but at the same time, they also are very much aware of how much this game means to them, if that makes sense. Jenna, uh, the natural question here is to ask you, how's Tom Brady handling all the preparation getting ready for this week? But I want to go a different route. How is Gronk handling everything about returning back to this team, back to the Patriots, you know, stadium, Gillette Stadium? Well, and that's interesting because we were supposed to talk to Gronk yesterday, but he's dealing with some rib injuries from that game against the L.A. Rams. He actually left the game briefly but did come back. His x-rays were negative, but he didn't practice yesterday. And the team's policy is they don't have players that aren't practicing talking to the media, but I would be really hard-pressed to imagine that Gronk returns to Foxborough and actually doesn't play, just given how much this game, again, means to him and means to Brady. I mean, Gronk and I were joking just a few weeks ago about the enormous spike in hotel prices, and he's like, man, I still got my place up there. I, I could charge like four times the amount on Airbnb. <laughs> You're going to Airbnb it. Jenna, how is Bruce Arians? It's a way um, to go. How is Bruce Arians, to, to, you know, to your um, eye, felt about the media buzz? How's he seemed about the media buzz around Brady and Belichick? He understands it. He gets it. I also had a good laugh yesterday when, um, and it really surprised me that of all people, it was Bill Belichick that may have, you know, thrown out the, the first shot when he had said that the Bucks' offense is an awful lot like what Tom played with when he was in New England. He actually said it's the same offense he played with his whole career with the exception of the run game. And Arians kind of chuckled and said, well, Maybe they copied off our offense because they were asking for our tape every week. We all had a good laugh about that. So, you know, he's keeping it loose. I haven't really gotten the sense that it's any different for him, except for that one response right there. You could see his competitive juices flowing just a little bit. Jenna, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went out and signed one of the great corners of his era in Richard Sherman. Have you heard anything at all how they plan on using him this week, or is he going to play at all, or is it just simply an insurance policy for down the line? Arian said that it would take a couple injuries for Sherman to actually go out there and play, and Sherman even said he's probably going to need about a week to get acclimated to the scheme. He's also got to get acclimated to the heat because he thought it was hot yesterday, and I joked with him. I said, this ain't nothing. We had a good breeze going yesterday, although it's not going to be hot in Foxborough, but still, uh, it's it's unlikely that he plays this week, at least at this point. They also uh, got some positive news with Jamel Dean actually practicing yesterday. He's sore. He suffered a knee injury in the first quarter against the Rams and didn't return 
turn. So heading into this week, it looked like, oh, my gosh, the Bucks were going to be down two of three corners. But it may not be that bad. They may just be without Sean Murphy bunting. Uh, but I talked to Mike Evans, who is a guy who has a very detailed scouting report of Richard Sherman because they last faced off in 2019. And I asked him, can this guy still do it at the age of 33? And he's like, yeah, absolutely, because the one thing that guy's never going to lose is his mind. And another question that came up yesterday was the fact that Sherman primarily plays on the left side. Well, so does Carlton Davis, their other starting corner. But Arians isn't too concerned about that because he says Davis has shadowed a number of players over the years. He's used to moving around, so he doesn't think that's going to be a problem. Jenna Lane from Tampa. Appreciate it, Jenna. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, thank you. Thanks, Jenna. Thank you. Guys, uh, it is interesting to me so much on Brady and Belichick, like someone like Gronk, right, who's a huge star. It's afterthought. Because because Gronk retired opposed to Belichick and Brady's friction that went on, and he's the quarterback, and he has the hair and the wife and the whole deal, and it's just a bigger story. But like, I'm, because, uh, yeah, another but, guy, well, of course, I'm but, just saying. Like, but another a guy they didn't even about. mention, the guy that no one's even mentioned because he was only there for a week, is A.B. Yeah? A.B. AB put a blowtorch to the organization, but he left, and we're not even talking about that. Much more on this game, including the chess match between Belichick and Arian. That's next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN News on TV. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.